Good morning and welcome to Our American Heritage. I am Arch Hunter, the host of the program. Our American Heritage is a program where we explore in depth the American experience from the beginning to the present. And today we want to welcome as as our special guest, Lydia Nuttall. Lydia, thank you for coming and, and sitting in and sharing the program with me today. Yay, I'm excited. Richard Nixon, right? Richard Nixon, yes. Listeners, if you don't know, Lydia Nuttall is an award-winning author of a major book. Lydia, would you like to share the, the name of the book with our listeners? Yes, it's called Forgotten American Stories, Celebrating America's Constitution. And it's for teachers, it's for parents, it's anyone that has kids, grandparents, grandkids, to teach our kids those forgotten stories of our America's founding that typically aren't taught anymore in education, sadly. But we can do it, right, Arch? And Lydia, what is your background and your involvement with We the Kids? Yes, I am an executive board member for We the Kids. We the Kids is a nonprofit organization that is, their whole purpose is to put God back into America's story. That's right up my line. And to empower kids and to inspire kids to be engaged citizens now in their younger age while they're in their formative years to then be engaged in our civic government as adults and to love our nation and especially the founders and our founding documents. And Lydia is the co-host of the radio program on our station at 9.30 every Saturday morning, We the Kids. And Lydia, you are so fortunate to have one of the best co-host in an America that is with you every week. So. I know. Arch is the co-host, yes, of the We The Kids radio show. We are like two peas in a pod, so I am really happy to be on Arch's show. Well, I am so uh, glad that you volunteered to be with us today. Yeah. Um, and you know, listeners, we've been talking about uh, last week about President Richard Nixon and exactly some of the amendments or laws or legislation that Richard Nixon had passed during his presidency. And unfortunately, so much of the Nixon presidency has been overlooked because of the very, very dark mark of Watergate upon his presidency. And now when there's ever some sort of a conspiracy or some sort of a cover up, everything is now whatever gate. And it all yeah. <laughs> from originally the 1972 break into the Watergate building in Washington, D.C. So, Liddy, I'm curious, what did you know about the presidency of Richard Nixon other than Watergate throughout your young life? Yeah, that is what is so incredibly sad, because when I said, hey, Arch, I'd love to be on your show, you know, next time you are recording your show and Arch, you mentioned, yeah, I'm going to be talking about Richard Nixon. The first thing that came to my mind was, oh, he was that president, you know, the horrible, rotten, dirty, you know, mongering, uh, illegal, unscrupulous Richard Nixon, because... In my childhood, in my youth, I remember Watergate. I was hearing Watergate, the, the name Watergate, every time you turn around, uh, you know, turn on the TV, listen to the radio. And that was how I was raised, just immersed in the media's version of Richard Nixon. So imagine my surprise 
when in preparation for being on this show with Arch, I did some of my own homework. I am an advocate for find out things on your own. Do your own research. Don't just believe whatever is out there, whatever you were told in your youth, even if they seem to be legitimate sources like back in the day, who was going to not believe the media, right? So, So I discover a Richard Nixon that I now just admire. I mean, I really admire him for all the things that he did and accomplished and was and became in in incredible odds. Like I had no idea he was born in this little tiny house in California in a lemon grove. And the house, this cracks me up. Um, it was one his dad built. It was like a mail order house. That his dad put, you know, like he got the plans in the mail or something and kind of built it from, I guess that's what a mail order house is. Got it in the mail and he put it together himself. And he even, okay, so, and and so this is why I just love this because I love these underdog stories where the most unlikely person rises above all these challenges and unforeseen negative circumstances, but rises, overcomes them and becomes someone great and influential for good in the world. And I really believe he was one of them. I had no idea that he loved to read. He read so many books and became so educated through that, that he actually got accepted to Harvard. Yes, yes. He got accepted to Harvard. But unfortunately, we don't know that because he chose Whittier College, which was a local college, uh, only because his parents couldn't afford the price tag of Harvard. So already right there, I just went, okay, there's something more to this man. I need to find out more. And you kind of alluded to some of the the things that you mentioned about some of these laws that he passed. I had no idea he created the EPA, Mm -hmm. the Environmental Protection Agency. He put legislation in force for the Clean Air Act. Mm -hmm. Um, He was president during the assassination of Martin Luther King. He was loved by Martin Luther King and Jackie Robinson, who was a famous baseball player. I learned that because he enforced the civil rights laws and he desegregated Southern schools. Right. Am I on the right track? Well, I'm going to make one little correction. He was a candidate when Martin Luther King Ah, was assassinated and he was running for the Republican nomination when Martin Luther King and Bobby Kennedy were assassinated. But yes, you're continue on. You're on a good roll here. Yeah. So I know. So I'm learning all these things. I'm like, well, that's good. You know, those that are wanting civil rights protected for everybody, no matter what your skin color is. I mean, why would you not like Richard Nixon for enforcing civil rights laws? He signed the disarmament agreement um, and I'm not quite sure what that was. Is during the Cold War? Is that has something to do with the Cold it's War? The, 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 it's the SALT Treaty, which is an acronym for the Strategic Arms Limitation Treaty. And President Nixon was our first president to go to Moscow and begin to sign the SALT agreement to begin to disarm and dismantle and no longer manufacture so many nuclear weapons. Wow. And what countries was this between? That was with the Soviet Union, the old Soviet Soviet Union. Okay, just the Soviet Union. Wow. So he signed that and he ended the Vietnam War. That one I'm kind of iffy on. My dad served two tours of duty in Vietnam as an army officer 
and was really disheartened by the way that whole conflict concluded because in essence we lost in my dad's thoughts and his opinion which i value because he was actually there uh, that we pulled out too soon without uh, or maybe not too soon but we didn't leave the vietnamese with anything to defend their own selves with against the viet cong which is what we suffered we lost so many men our own american men losing their lives to protect the liberty of the south vietnamese and then we just left cold turkey it sounded like to me and Liddy, part of the settlement of President Nixon getting us out of South Vietnam with his peace with honor that he was saying that we're going to have there. He committed American money and military equipment to the South Vietnamese to continue the fight against the North Vietnamese and the Viet Cong. But again, unfortunately, because of Watergate, And because of the situation of Watergate, and it became so ugly so quickly over a long period of time, Congress took away all the funding to support the South Vietnamese in their fight to stop communism from taking over South Vietnam. So that's another one of the tragedies of Watergate that is widely overlooked because people had just just general opinion of Watergate by itself. So here's another question that I had on that same line of thought. It seemed to me my own independent research regarding President Nixon and then when I, you know, what he did as president and then into Watergate, it sounded like to me that the media kind of didn't like him. The establishment didn't really like him. He wasn't an Ivy League scholar. He wasn't educated in the East. He was educated in the West. He was born in the West. He really didn't fit in. And so that's what it sounded like to me, that the media just didn't like him. And this sounds so familiar to our, our day well, you know, as well. Part, what are, part what's that, your take? Part of that, Liddy, is true because he was, even though he, his undergraduate was from that small college in California, he then came east and got his law degree from Duke University. Okay. So President Nixon, Richard Nixon, never liked the press corps. And with his personality as being somewhat, and it's tongue in cheek, very combative, combatic. Yeah, he was a fighter. It seemed he like was he was a fighter. A, a fight, so like he, never, he, he would he fight his liked, way up. He didn't like the press, did not trust the press, constantly was at odds with the press when he was a congressman, senator, and then vice president. So naturally, in turn, the press actually then turned on him. So it was more like a, and I hate use this term loosely, it was more like a hate-hate relationship, yeah. <laughs> you know, between yeah. the press yeah. and Nixon. And, and he got to the point in his presidency that anyone who would write a critical article of his presidency, Richard Nixon actually would have his two leading men put them on an enemies list. So, you know, so you're right. It's it's the the press didn't like Richard Nixon. Richard Nixon did not like the press. And so that was just a downward spiral, which we have seen that with our former president, that it was a downward spiral for him, too. So, yeah. And then and then to make it worse, then I learned about Alger Hiss. Mm -hmm. And how, okay, so everyone, Alger Hiss was uh, 
he was a communist and he was in our government, right? He, he was. was a, a state a department official yep. and he's a communist. So those of you who know communism, if you don't know communism, you're going to learn communism. And that is, it's the opposite of our form of government. Our form of government preserves life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness of everyone. Communism takes away life. It takes away liberty. And there's very little happiness there because you don't have much choice. The government dictates, the government rules, the government tells you how high to jump, where to go, how, what you can buy. You know, it, it doesn't, it never prospers. Most of the time, the people seem to starve. It's like the government versus the people. The people become the enemy of the government if the people don't agree with the government. So that's what communism is. And that's how we get Alger Hiss, who I don't know the, the story behind how Richard Nixon discovered Alger Hiss being being a communist, but it sounds like to me he exposed it and the media and the East Coast elites, I guess, didn't really believe it. Or maybe they did, but they didn't want to expose that they knew this all along because that to me is a traitor to your country. To well, have- that, was, that was during, you know, the HUAC committee and Senator Joseph McCarthy and Richard Nixon being the young lawyer helped prosecute Alger Hiss, who, as you said, worked in the State Department. And it was actually part of the Whitaker Chambers. And Whitaker Chambers was the one who exposed Alger Hiss for doing what he did. Alger Hiss, eventually, he did not go to prison for espionage, but he went to prison because the statute of limitations was up. He went to prison because he perjured himself. So that was during that those early or late years of the HUAC committee and what was going on there. But your point that Richard Nixon, as a young lawyer and then as a politician, was a devout anti-communist. So that's really what gave Richard Nixon some publicity to getting to Congress and then to the Senate and then to the vice presidency and then ultimately to the presidency. And it also gave the media, he probably gave the media a lot of grief. Yes, he did. They supported Algerhis. It seems like they liked him. Well, they again, this was at the latter stages of the HUAC committee where Senator McCarthy was becoming very, very uh, problematic. And a lot of the press and politicians were getting very sensitive to how much power Senator McCarthy was having at the time. Wow. I I want to go back a couple minutes because you mentioned something about Nixon's administration with his desegregating or slowing down the desegregation situation in the South. You know, Nixon started a biracial committee to implement and plan for social school desegregation in the South. And it was a well-accepted program by the states, particularly the southern states who were bringing segregation or integration, I should say, along very slowly. In 1968, Lydia, when Richard Nixon was elected, 70 percent of black kids were going to all black schools. Wow. In two years after President Nixon's committee on biracial and implementing desegregation, it went from 70 percent down to 18 percent. Woo! That they were wow. in, so at down 18 percent all black schools. So that is something else that is, is wildly overlooked. Um, what what did you read about the Watergate situation and that tremendously difficult time in our history? Well, 
I boiled it down to it. To, to me, it kind of sounded like it was a war against the president and the media. You know, they were, like you said, they were, it was a hate, hate relationship. Um, and, and back in the time, and I remember this because back in the day when I was just little, we had a TV and it only had 13, there's only 13 stations on the dial. <laughs> remember that and uh it was abc it was nbc it was cbs um on there for the news and then i think pbs was there too um but uh it sounded like they wanted to take the electoral uh, verdict of the presidential race of 1972 which is the one that richard nixon won and wanted to reverse it so that kind of sounded, that's kind of, if I had to boil it down, that's what it seems to me like the crux of the matter was. And so, so I really found it amazing that, and this is back to your original question, what did I think of President Nixon as a child? All I heard was Watergate, Watergate, Watergate. And when you're a child, you think, well, how do you make a gate for water? <laughs> I mean, I, you know, that's what I was thinking. Um, so I really thought it's kind of telling on human nature, uh, when I learned about the FBI official, Mark Felt, a.k.a. Deep Throat, that was his nickname. I, I, I'd love to learn more at some point in time. Why was he called Deep Throat? Um, this has anything to do with cutthroat? I don't know. But, no, um, it does not. It does not. <laughs> cutthroat, I mean, he was an FBI official, who, and it sounded to me that he was kind of upset with President Nixon for not appointing him to be the top dog or top-notch person for the FBI. Yeah, the, the um, FBI director. Yes, he thought he was next in line for that. Yeah, so it sounded like there's a little bit of revenge going on, but he... No. No, yeah, there could have been. I mean, there could have been. But but Mark felt it was um, he also saw what was going on in, in the Nixon White House because he was the liaison between the FBI and the White House. So he saw what was going on with the Nixon administration and what was going on. And he believed in his heart that President Nixon and Ehrlichman and Halderman were going to get away with this. And he certainly did not want that to happen. Now, Again, is there some negative feelings there that Mark Feld had? Uh, absolutely. But his motive, that was part of his motivation for doing what he did. But, you know, in 1972, well, let's go back a little bit. You know, Richard Nixon, the longer he was president in the first term, the more and more the men that he surrounded himself with. And by the way, Lydia, he appointed more women. To his administration, really, than any other president before him. Wow! So, I didn't know that. I mean, there's just so many things here about Richard Nixon, and then but people need to hear the whole story yeah, of they Richard do. Nixon because that people probably say, "But Watergate, but Watergate, but Watergate." Yeah, getting there. So we're getting there. So okay, so uh, Watergate. Okay, so why? I guess the missing link for me is why did it, it seemed to me like the media and, and people and everyone, it just was a great way to, like I, I, I mentioned in, in other shows that, I, that I've done with you in the past, that, that it's kind of our human tendency to like the National Enquirer version of stuff. And this uh, unfortunate circumstance 
uh, where these five men went into the Watergate building to the Democratic National Headquarters offices to try to find out their campaign strategy. Is that what this was? Well, that was part of it, but it was far deeper and far more tragic than that. Again, if we go back a little bit, Richard Nixon got more and more paranoid in his presidency as he was rounding out his first term. And the men that were around him, such as Ehrlichman or Halderman, who were his his closest aides, believed that the country needed Richard Nixon for a second term. So in their blindness to getting Richard Nixon reelected, they put this group of men together, which they gave the nickname the plumbers. And they were to <laughs> go out, they were to go out because Nixon wanted information leaks stopped, you know, because there are leaks all over Washington. Hardly yeah. anything has ever kept a secret. Well, President Nixon was irate when something that his administration was doing would be leaked to the press and then put in the newspaper. And it starts primarily with which it's a whole nother show, the Pentagon Papers and Daniel Ellsberg and all those situations that had nothing to do with the Nixon administration. But it came out in The New York Times during Nixon's first term in office. So his men bought into this idea of we have to do anything to get Richard Nixon reelected. So wow. they blindly took the law into their own hands and begin to go out and get information surreptitiously on other candidates that was going to run against Richard Nixon. Got it. Got in 1972. It. So that this group of men that you mentioned, they're called their nickname or their code name was the Plumbers. Right. And <laughs> I mean, we could do several shows alone on ah. the Plumbers and their covert and surreptitious, but illegal activities. Yeah. That they did. Isn't that kind of the crux of the matter is, is, ladies and gentlemen, don't do things illegally. They can so bite you in the buns, totally backfire and make a wreck out of lives that could have done much good. And here's another one of the tragedies of Watergate. In 19, well, Watergate, the break in was June of 1972. President Nixon's second term well, the election for a second term was in November. So Watergate happened in June. All the way through that time period, every poll, every poll, everyone knew, Lydia, by 1972, that Richard Nixon had became a very popular president. But he didn't believe that he would get reelected that easily. So he allowed the break in into the Watergate building to get up into the Democratic National Committee headquarters to put wiretaps on their phones oh. to get information on them. So that was mm -hmm. June. And then, you know, the, the break in and the men were arrested and it was a, a, a small article on the sixth or seventh page of the Washington Post. Well, by November, Lydia, November, President Nixon won a second term. He won 49 states. Wow. Oh, wow. 49? 49 states. Out of 50 I mean, states. McGovern did not even win his own state. He won Massachusetts. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So Nixon received 60.7% of the vote in 1972. 
And he won the Electoral College with 520 votes. Out of how many? Out of, well, McGovern got 17 Electoral College. Oh, my. You only need 270 to win the election. Right. So that was a landslide and then some. So, again, that affirms to me that the good that he did was phenomenal that he had that kind of support of the American people. And that's what we should remember him by. And sadly, I remember him by Watergate. Dang it. And that, Lydia, we need to stop. And we're going to pick up in the next show because remembering Nixon, President Nixon for his presidency in totality. So, Lydia, thank you for coming and sharing. We're going to pick it up on our next show. My pleasure. This is 1180 AM WFIL, working for your liberty.